Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So here we are, another month. Oh boy, oh boy, 2021 is zipping right by. I guess that's a good thing. Anyway, this month we are talking about enlighten. And the definition for enlighten is to give intellectual or spiritual light to impart knowledge. And our guests for this month, I think you're going to find you're going to get a lot of wisdom and some pretty amazing spiritual insights. Uh, because the people that I've interviewed for this this month are just amazing light leaders in their own right. And that where they've gone in terms of their exploration, their businesses, uh, how they show up in the world is very enlightening. You're going to learn a lot this month and be open for your own spiritual journey that can be ignited by being enlightened. Until next time, enjoy the show. So I'm very excited and curious today about my guest who's joining me because she's got a remarkable story about her life journey and uh, she's had the dips and mm, the not so goods and she's had some heights and she is currently thriving and she is a leader in her own right, a healer extraordinaire because of her journey. And on Empowering Chats, we love to talk about uh, how we move from not feeling empowered, not feeling uh, the truth of who we are into being more free and shining our light and all of that. So I wanna welcome Jan Adrian. Jan, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. So what's, what's, so cool is how connections happen, right? And um, Olga Singer, who's on my team, knows you from other experiences and said, oh, you got to talk to Jan. You got to, I've been hearing about you for several years. You got to talk to Jan. And um, so Jan, what I would love to hear first, as we open up this conversation is your journey, because it was a journey of healing and transformation and uh it sounds like it was also a place of really connecting with yourself is that true that's true and i i want to start out by saying that that for many years i have not been comfortable sharing my cancer story cancer healing story because I thought in order to be successful, I had to be cancer-free. Oh my goodness, yes. And, and I have not been cancer-free for more than 30 years. 
And recently, somebody convinced me that the story of, of thriving with cancer for more than 30 years is a story worth telling. So I say absolutely. <laughs> so um, I, I want to tell you first just a little story of something that happened to me when I was 16. Okay. Because it has really influenced and informed pretty much every decision I've made in my life since then. And when I was 16, I was a junior in high school and I had to be homeschooled for a whole semester because I was running a constant fever and I was fatigued and I was tired and I couldn't go to school. And my parents took me to several different medical doctors and nobody could label or name what was wrong with me. And they would try different medications, some of which made me very sick. But because they didn't have a name for it, they didn't know how to treat it. And so my parents finally took me to um, a practitioner that was a chiropractor, uh -huh. but did a lot of weird stuff. And he had been a missionary in South America, I think. And he said that it didn't matter what we ever named my illness, but that there was clearly an infection happening in my blood, in my system, and that if my body had the nutrients it needed, it would heal itself. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are meant to heal themselves. We have a self-healing mechanism. We have an immune system. And when we, it's, it's like putting the right gas in the car. When we put the right fuel in our bodies, they work perfectly and they heal themselves. So he used a pendulum, and this, this was many years ago. I had never seen it before, but he used a pendulum to, de to determine what I should and shouldn't eat. He gave me some really foul-tasting tea to drink. He rubbed minerals into my body. He put me on a diet that was no sugar, no white flour, which I've since learned is the healthiest diet for me. Right. But anyhow, it was very hard as a 16-year-old to not eat carrot birthday cake at a party, but I followed his diet religiously because I wanted to get better. And about six months after being on his diet, I was healthier than I had ever been in my life. So all my symptoms went away. I was no longer fatigued. I no longer ran a fever. My hair got curly. It had been straight before that. And I think I didn't have the flu for 20 years after that. Prior to that, I used to have the flu every winter. Uh huh. So that experience was so strong for me to tell me about the self-healing mechanisms of my body and that I could trust my body. So many years later in 1989, when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer and chemotherapy was recommended, and I started it, I did one round of chemotherapy, one infusion, and I could feel that it was not supporting my immune system, was not supporting my body, and I, and I stopped it. And I decided I have to remember there's a reason why I had this lesson when I was 16, and I need to pay attention to what I'm putting into my body. And I found a nutritionist. At the time, she had been working for the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and so I would say that my main treatment has been nutrition. But I haven't disappeared my cancer. So my journey over the last 30 years, I've had three primary cancers, one in the left breast, 
one in the right breast many years later, and then ocular melanoma, so cancer in my eye in 2007. And, and I've always worked with an oncologist. And when they recommend a treatment that's not going to destroy my, my quality of life, and that's not going to destroy my immune system, I will follow the treatment. So for example, when I had the ocular melanoma, I found out there are two ways of treating eye cancer. One is to remove the eye, and the other is um, proton beam radiation, oh. which at the time was only being done three places in the United States. It's done in a huge cyclotron. It's, it's different than normal radiation. And one of those places was 20 minutes from my house at UC Davis. Wow. And they said they had a 97% cure rate and there were no side effects. So it, that's, it was like a no brainer to do Western medicine. So I'm not saying I haven't done Western medicine. I've, I've used um, a combination of science and intuition to choose what treatments to do, what natural treatments to do. And I, I love that you have the word empowering in your title to have empowering chats, because I think being empowered has been a, a key during my whole journey. And there's, there's such a controversy in, in the new age world about do we cause our cancer? Do we create our own reality? And, and then if we say we cause our cancer, then we go down a, a field of guilt right. and shame and feel bad about it. And, and it's, that's not useful. No. So no. I wouldn't say I caused my cancer because at the time I didn't know what caused cancer. So I wasn't doing anything to cause cancer. Um, nobody told me before that, that 95% of cancers are caused by diet and lifestyle. Only 5% are genetic. But once I had cancer, I, I had to believe that I had somehow influenced that happening. And that, let, let me back up a minute. I think there are two, two ways of dealing with cancer. One is to fight the cancer, to try to kill the cancer. The other is to strengthen the terrain of the body so it's not conducive to the growth of cancer. Oh my God, say that again, just strengthen the terrain. To strengthen the terrain of the body so it is not conducive to the growth of cancer. To strengthen the self-healing mechanisms of the body. And I think you have to do both. Some people get into a battle about either or, should I do natural treatments? And I hate it when they call them alternative because they're not alternative. It's just another way of dealing with it. So. You have, I think you have to do both. You have to strengthen the terrain of the body however you can. And I think nutrition is a huge key to that. And pay attention to the science and what they've learned. So with my first breast cancer, when they said, let's do chemotherapy, and I asked the oncologist, what are the stats? What are the statistics about what this will do for me? And he said, it will increase your chances of survival by 5%. So besides feeling like it was not supporting my immune system, I also thought, is it worth what I'm doing for a 5% increase? When um, I, I, um, 
I'm, I'm just going with wherever my mind goes with this. I love I, that. I also, I also got a Moss report. Ralph Moss is somebody who offers a service that you pay for where, where you tell him your, your exact diagnosis and he will study every treatment that's happened for, for that cancer, both in the natural world and the Western medicine world. And he sends you a several hundred page report of every wow. treatment and how did it help with that? So I got wow. that report and the treatment, I'm putting this in quotes, treatment that had the highest effect was exercise would improve my chances of survival by 47%. Woohoo! Much better than five percent. Much better than five percent, and and um, it's it's funny, but I think some people, even though they might they might hear that or know that, it's too much work to go out and exercise every day and to try to do something. They'd rather just do a little treatment that somebody else prescribes and somebody else is in charge, and then it's over with. But that's why I like the word empowering because I think. When we're empowered to what we can do for ourselves, we're much more likely to have a good result. Yes. And so, I, so I really appreciate um, you talking, Jan, about uh, just going back a little bit about um, the belief system that being successful in fighting cancer means you're cancer free. And yet you you are proving continually that you can have a thriving life for over 30 years and still there's there's some cancer components right that's important for me to hear as a type 1 diabetic over 30 years you know mm -hmm. uh, that you know i'm working on releasing the, the medical community will think i'm a, a, a cuckoo bonker person but releasing the diabetes from my body and what's happening is there's other things that are coming up that i have to look at and go oh wow look at that maybe maybe it's a different disease you know but and and then and then uh, i was wondering myself today well if the diabetes remains does that was this success and I'm going to say yes before we've even completed uh, this process that I'm in, uh, because I'm learning so much about me. And uh, what's happening is I am releasing the um, the ugly stuff I don't like, right? Like um, my need to control people and things because I don't feel safe. You know? and I think a lot of people have those kinds of ongoing um background noise that we don't realize that also contributes to us being not as healthy as we could be because you've got to really have you've got you've got to put your focus on the thing that you want not to not to force the outcome but to stay single-minded that i am healthy i am thriving i am whatever and and going back, I I think it was before we started recording, you talked about love and fear. Mm -hmm. And um, Gerald Jampolsky wrote a book many, yes. many years ago, letting go of, of fear and saying that all our decisions are motivated by either love or fear. And if we're making a decision of fear of what a disease is doing for us, that's not a decision about love. I, I heard um, 
a woman speak on, in a, I think it was in a, in a film, who had cancer and did not do any Western medical treatment. And she said that, that she worked really hard to learn to love her cancer. And once she really learned to love it, it disappeared. Isn't that phenomenal? And, and, and I've thought about that a lot because I think if I'm trying to love my cancer for the purpose of making it disappear, that's not love. <laughs> um, oh. And I had a coach, a cancer coach once who asked me if, if I suddenly no longer had cancer, would I still eat a healthy diet? And would I exercise on a regular basis? And would I pay as much attention to increasing joy in my life and letting go of negative emotions and trying to reduce stress? And I said, probably not. And he said, then you still need the cancer. Yes. The cancer is a real gift in that it is helping you do these things. It's almost I, like it's your life coach, right? Yes. Yes that I, I am healthier because cancer is, is part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I've also heard people not willing to use the term my cancer. They say the cancer because they say, I don't want to own it. And I have just the opposite viewpoint. I feel like I have to own it if I'm going to have an effect on it and that we're in this together. I'm not fighting the cancer. The cancer is, um, Nothing happens to me. Everything happens for me. Yes. So cancer didn't happen to me. It happened for me. I, I believe that myself. It's, it's not like I, um, when I got a cancer diagnosis, I didn't say, oh, God, thank you for this gift. This is so wonderful. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't react that way. I reacted with my, oh, shit, I don't want to deal with this. Right. But eventually got to a point where I really do see the gifts in cancer, and there are many more gifts than not gifts. Um, cancer led to my starting a nonprofit called Healing Journeys, which I started 25 years ago. And that, that's how I know your friend Olga is her mother-in-law is the president of the board of Healing Journeys. And Olga has been my graphics artist for Healing Journeys. So she, when we still used to do flyers before everything was on the internet, she used to design wonderful flyers for me. But I wouldn't have started Healing Journeys if I didn't have cancer. Right. And it's been a really empowering career for me for 25 years. And I started, um, I did a conference called Cancer as a Turning Point from Surviving to Thriving. And over the past 25 years, we did that conference 37 times all around the country with an average attendance of, in California, our average attendance was over a thousand. Wow, awesome. So, so more than 25,000 people have benefited from that. And so many people have said things, I mean, it's a spectrum, but at one end, people say that conference saved my life. I, oh, that's I, wonderful. So... I wouldn't have done that if I didn't have cancer. And I'm so grateful for, um, for all those experiences. And in my prayer, my prayer has always been the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument, use me, whatever gifts I have, use them in a way that will benefit humanity. And so 
getting the diagnosis of cancer in a way was an answer to that prayer. Isn't that so it's uh, I'm always fascinated the way spirit works because I use that prayer as well. Um, uh-huh. Especially when I feel like I'm getting in my own way, you know, uh, it's just, just clear me out, help me be that uh, servant that I came in to be. And I don't mean, you know, if anybody's listening, I don't mean like, you know, crawling on my knees to an altar, although sometimes maybe I do do that, but it's more like recognizing what, like what you just said, Jan, of that your, your real mission and purpose was to serve humanity. And there's so many of us that came in with that mission and purpose and, and, and maybe got redirected or, you know, oh, pshaw or whatever, as you were growing up, but the timing now for, and I say this all the time, the timing now for all these individuals to be on planet earth is to serve humanity for the highest good of all. It just is, there wouldn't be this many people. And having gone through a pandemic and having uh, an autoimmune disorder, a disease, uh at put you know putting you and me and many others in the high risk category i i went personally went through this year looking at the fear uh that others were projecting and stopped listening to the news you know i wanted to know the science i i do and it's my body my choice right and I'm going to choose what I feel is healthy for me. And, and when you brought up the pendulum at the beginning of the show, I have a pendulum. And every day I'm like, do I do the vaccine? You know, and it's like, no. So I, I do the same thing. I have my little pendulum. And every day I said, I ask, is it the highest and best for me to have the vaccine? And every day it has said, no. No. Yeah. It's very hard for me to explain to my father who loves and adores me and other people who have listened to the science. But if it doesn't feel right, I've I've learned like you have, if it doesn't feel right, and you got to learn at a very young age, at 16, what absolutely will work for you and to trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. I I learned that, um, I mean, science, the scientific inquiry is a a way of approaching something. Mm -hmm. And when people say, I'm listening to the science that doesn't make sense to me because science is questioning always science never is black and white and this is it because we know so many things that were scientifically true that now are different right so there were years when science told us we needed to have a low-fat vegetarian diet for example when I was first diagnosed um, I was told as a cancer patient, I needed to be on a low-fat vegetarian diet, and I spent 12 years looking at every label and making sure no more than 30% of my calories came from fat, and I continued to get worse. I had so many recurrences during those 12 years. I, I, they, they were not healthy years, mm-hmm. and then in 2002, I um, read a book about eating for your metabolic type. Oh, yes. Not your blood type, but your metabolic type. Mm -hmm. And I got tested for that. And he said, for my metabolic type, I absolutely needed to have meat at every meal. 
And then I've learned about the doshas in Ayurvedic and had my SNPs done with nutrition genome. And there's so many ways to personalize. So what science says is like for the lowest common denominator. And it may not really be true for anybody. I mean, we know now that a low-fat diet is not healthy for anybody. But for years, science told us that. And then science continued to question, and they did more studies, and they found out, oh, we were wrong. Now this is true. Remember when we used to see the big billboards that said eggs, cholesterol, are causing right. heart disease? And then all of a sudden, it's okay to eat eggs because they don't cause that at all. Right. So we've had so many experiences of science changing that for somebody that says, I'm doing this because I believe science, doesn't make sense to me. Well, and so it's, I'm curious about this too, Jan. I absolutely agree with everything you're saying because uh, I, I, my curiosity is about, uh, okay, so as human beings, we are here to evolve, right? And we're here to evolve consciously in consciousness. And as our consciousness shifts, uh, our frequency and vibration in the body, the energy systems shift. And so there's certain things that the body maybe used to tolerate, like a, a heavy duty vegetarianism, which I was into in my twenties and I, and I became anemic. Um, mm -hmm. And once I started eating meat again, I was like, oh, I feel so much better. But so because our, because our energy individually, humans' energy systems are absolutely unique and individual. So what works for me is not going to work for you. My, I raised my son as a vegetarian because I was a vegetarian when I got pregnant. He's now become a vegan. But he's very healthy about it because I taught him all the different nutrients he needs to pay attention to, to have a strong and healthy body. He's, he's, he's one of the healthiest people I know. And, but the, veganism works for him. It, yes. For me, it doesn't work. I can't, my body gets really sick if I eat all the different things that vegans eat. Yes, me, me too. Yeah. And, and I have friends who are vegans who are very healthy. Yes. And and it, it is such an individual thing. We cannot proselytize what's good for us as being good for everybody. I, I'm right there with you, Jan, because my son's like, mom, mom, really, if you just, I'm like, I, 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 I know my body now. I've lived long enough. I know what feels right and makes my body feel good. And I know what makes it feel like crap. And I can't keep doing that. So, yeah. Um, but I also think that part of the yes. science changing. And, and I like to have. See? Go ahead. I like to have some scientific evidence to, to validate what I'm doing. I mean, I, I can do something intuitively and I feel stronger about it when science in some way validates. So I, so when, when I had my metabolic type tested, it, I said, oh, yes, here's a reason why this is true. And I'm, I'm right now reading a book called The Paleo-Vedic Diet, yes. which is written by an Ayurvedic MD. And mm -hmm. I was just reading about the Pitta, Vata, Kapha, Doshas. Uh -huh. And 
and some of one of them cannot live as a vegetarian. One of them could go either way. The other one has to be a vegetarian. So another scientific and a very old, like a 3000 old study that, um, that confirms what I feel already is right for me. Right. And if only everyone, <laughs> if only everyone would do some of that investigation on their own behalf and not mm -hmm. listen to uh, what's being advertised, you know, which is actually, you know, anything that's being advertised, it, they're there to sell you something and they're not there for your, your highest good or your benefit. It, it doesn't matter what commercial you're watching and how cool you think it is. They're, they're not selling you anything, but the, oh my God, I was, but the shit they want you to put in your body. So you will become addicted and need the pharmaceutical drugs and all the other stuff that they're now advertising. So they have you. And that's, right. that's not why we're here. We're here to be that resonant vibration of love and light. And that's how we heal the planet. That's how we heal injustices. That's how we unify. And everybody, and it's not a one size fits all. We're not all the same color, shape, size, or anything. Sorry, I had to go on my little side part. There. I love that. I'm, I'm totally on the same page with you. I love what you're saying. So it's interesting to me too, that um, it sounds like in your learning how to thrive, not survive, but really live life and thrive, you have found uh, a way to check and balance, right? To, to balance when things go a little awry or pretty awry and you come back into center. How do you do that? I, I, I haven't always felt this way, but now when something goes awry, like I, I have regular blood tests and when my numbers go up, which means cancer is progressing, I, I think, oh, that means there's something else I can do that I'm not doing to be healthier. I'm so grateful to know that. And now I can look for what else can I do? And, and I have um, a number of practitioners that I, that I see or, or researchers that I follow. So I see, so what have, what have they been learning? Because there's always something new yeah. that comes up that, yeah. that I can do. So right, right now, um, it, it's interesting. I, I have not, for, for a while I was doing, I was taking aromatase inhibitors which um, lowers estrogen because my breast cancer was estrogen receptor positive, which means okay. it feeds on estrogen. So it's a Western medicine and I was doing that and it helped for a little while. And then my numbers started going up again. So I, and, and my doctor kept recommending, so let's try this one. Let's try this one because they're different ones. And I finally, in January of 2019, I said, let's stop all of them and just see what I can do on my own. And I used to have my blood tests every month. And then when COVID came, she said, let's do it every three months so you don't go to the lab so often. And then this last time something else came up to change our appointment, so it was five months. So I just did a blood test after five months and my numbers had gone down by 300 in those five months. Wow. I mean, wow. amazing. Wow. And and my oncologist finally said, so what are you doing? <laughs> because something's making a difference. 
here. Um, and, and I've been thinking about that. And it's interesting because when I had the blood test every month, I would worry about it every month. And it was traumatic. It's stressful wondering what's the result going to be. And I found out when I was only having it every three months, I was much more relaxed. Yes. And not having it for five months, I was really relaxed. Yes. And I wonder how much the testing we have by me the medical world is actually creating the stress that makes our disease worse. Well, I mean, I don't know. What you just described to me, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, like a loop, right? I know for me, when I have to go get my blood test and it's every three months, um, I anticipate, right? A week or two before I'm anticipating, oh my gosh, what it, what's it gonna reveal? Is it gonna be good? What have I, and then I'm back winding, what did I do? What didn't I do? What should I do, have done? Oh my, and so I start that internal stress process before the blood's even drawn. You know, and then afterwards, it either affirms I did everything right, or it shines the spotlight on the thing that I haven't been as conscientious about. And then I start the, the procedure, uh, you know, the mental monkey mind again of, oh, my God, I didn't do it right. It's interesting. I'm coughing while we're having this conversation, Jan. Hold on. Yeah, so talking, so anticipating a, a blood test protocol could trigger, and I'm just saying this from my experience, that it could trigger anxiety that bumps things around uh, in, in terms of the endocrine. It's just like, our, just like our blood pressure is always higher when we have it taken at the doctor's office. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you And when you make an appointment for something, uh, often the something goes away for a little while when you show up at the doctor's mm -hmm. office and they're like, I don't see anything. No, I know oh. I got this. <laughs> it, it can go either way, right? Yes. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so right now with Healing Journeys, it's healingjourneys.org if anybody wants to go and check it out. But um, what would be the one thing you would recommend people... <clears throat> who are who are beginning to experience or in the throes of or ongoing um, cancer or uh, a, a critical life-threatening disease, what's the one thing you would suggest to them to focus on or and or do? Um, so do I have to come up with one or can I have three? Okay, you can have three. I Whenever okay. I say I'll come up with one word, I always come up with three words. So you go for okay. it. So the three things that I think have been most important for me is, is one, um, that spirit outlives matter and that we are here on this life for our spirit's growth, for our soul's growth, and that whatever happens to our body is for how it is, is for us to help us grow our spirit. Um, if we don't remember that, then a diagnosis of cancer is only feels like a curse. I mean, it's awful. It's only if you can see, oh, there might be something that could come good from this, that it that yeah, you can have a better attitude and not be so afraid of it. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I would I would stress is intuition. And if 
because your your doctors are going to recommend a protocol that has worked for other people maybe and it doesn't mean it will work for you right and if you feel it's not right for you trust that and and i say find some way of accessing your intuition you and i both have have acknowledged that we use a pendulum some people use muscle testing um some people rely on dreams i have a friend who does automatic writing who asks a question and writes with the left hand and gets answers but find some way of accessing your intuition because i think each one of us knows the most about our bodies and what we need and then the third word so i'd say spirit intuition and nature the third word is nature love it that um remember that we are part of nature and nature is part of us and being out in nature grounding um earthing touching the earth enjoying i mean this is a perfect time of season to be enjoying nature oh, but yeah being in touch with nature is such a healing thing and not just and not just depend on medicine and not make your decisions based on fear but if if you're wanting to get well what do you want to get better for like what's the purpose of your life what's and a lot reason? of people get they get in the middle of the whole diagnosis thing and they lose sight of what their purpose is sometimes right right okay so that was four things because what's the purpose of your life <laughs> that's true so i got i snuck in four <laughs> that's good there's there's a book entitled radical remission are mm -hmm. you familiar with radical remission um so just in, i i'm going to say a word about it in case some of our listeners don't know about Absolutely. it so the author of the book kelly turner was getting her phd at uc berkeley and she did her phd thesis on spontaneous remission and she spent a year traveling the world interviewing people who'd had spontaneous remissions from cancer Okay. And after her year, she said, "I will not. I will not use the word spontaneous remission again because there was nothing spontaneous about them. People worked really hard for these yes. remissions, and so she called it radical remission. And she identified nine strategies that all of them used. A hundred percent of the people used these nine strategies, and those are, I would say, those are my treatment. The nine strategies." So they are um, changing what you eat, nutrition, taking supplements, and those are the only two that are physical. All the other seven are psychosocial, spiritual. So deepening your spiritual life, having more joy in your life, trusting your intuition, having social support, releasing and letting go of negative emotions. That's seven. I'm forgetting two of them. Increasing positive emotions mm -hmm. and having a strong reason to live, like you just said. Like I just said, yes. Having yeah. a strong reason for living. When I saw that, I was like, well, that makes a ton more sense to me than because what happens, uh, I'm just saying this out loud for listeners. What happens when you're focusing on your spiritual growth? and developing a positive mindset you know uh 
and really taking time to connect within yourself or like going out to nature where there is nothing but spirit out in nature. It's just everywhere. When you take, when you focus on that, your life expands in a very healthy, positive way. But if you're mm -hmm. focusing on the, the, the one or two things that might help you and, and you're going to battle, I, I, I've always, I, I, I'm sorry, but I've always had a, a, a hard time when people say I'm fighting cancer. It's like, well, then you're just doing a, you're knocking yourself out both ways be, mm -hmm. because there's, there's nothing positive. <sighs> Where in all of human history has anybody seen a really thriving positive outcome from war never there, there hasn't been ever and fighting cancer is fighting your own body because cancer it, is right. part of your body that's gone awry and 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 that so so going back to this whole idea of fear versus love mm -hmm. the the what you've described on your journey jan is you have embraced your You've embraced yourself from the age of 16. You embraced your intuitive. You listen to what's needed. You investigate, you ask questions, but ultimately you are the authority in your own life. And, and that takes a lot of self-esteem. That takes a lot of loving and respecting self. And especially women, we weren't necessarily taught to love and respect ourselves first. We were taught that we were always secondary. This is, goes back to historical eons of la la. And you can listen to another podcast I have about when I talk about that. But um, because of that, then it makes sense that breast cancer is a rampant uh, experience for so many women and other kinds of cancer for women because we were not ever taught to put ourselves first. The husband, the family, the parents, you know, if you're in that sandwich generation now, all that goes first and then you come in and that, and this is a whole, again, going back to mindset, this is a whole different mindset. It, you've got, you've got to ladies, you got to change it up and put yourself first because only then will you thrive and be able to help those you love. And, and I've had many lessons on that it's not like i've always known that i mean i might have always known that in my head but um but it feels like i i keep getting lessons put in front of me to help me learn that at a new level so i i was in a marriage that was very toxic that i was trying to fit myself into the relationship to save yeah. the marriage yeah and and i finally had to learn that I, that I could not be in that marriage and love myself at the same time. So I had a, a husbandectomy, <laughs> which, which was the most successful surgery I've ever, I've ever had. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> you, you can have it. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Jan, this has been, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Uh, absolutely. I so appreciate your wisdom. I, I know you know that this comes from love, but I celebrate your journey because that journey has continued to grow you and open you and help you find your purpose and be of service to humanity. And you acted on all of that 
to serve the many. And I so appreciate that. And I appreciate your, um, your wisdom. I appreciate your humor. And I appreciate um, your willingness to trust not only yourself, but to trust spirit and be led by love. I just, I got chills. I got chills. Thank you. And, th and that's crucial to trust spirit. I mean, that I learned that lesson over and over and over again, to trust spirit. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh, you know, uh, me too. Daily. It shows that I've learned to say to say yes. Yeah. So like when you asked me to do this interview, I, I at the time, I didn't know who you were. And I didn't know why should I do this. And I get I get nervous talking in front of people. I mean, we're on Zoom, but I know this is going out to the world and I get nervous. But when something is offered to me, I, I try to say yes, unless there's some reason to say no. Unless there's a big no. If the, and if the only reason is fear, then I have to say yes. <laughs> I love that, Jan. So, um, so thank you so much. This you're, has you're, been really fun. You're, you're so welcome. And, um, and again, everybody go to healingjourneys.org if you have questions. Is that uh, if somebody wants to actually ask specific questions for you, is um, that a good place? What, what they'll find on the website now, because we're not doing events, of course, because of the pandemic. Um, but there are a lot, we have a lot of resources on our website that are videos of talks from past conferences awesome. that we did, so people can watch those. Um, I'm available if somebody has a new cancer diagnosis or a recurrence or trying to make a decision and they just want to talk to somebody, they can email me and we can arrange a phone call that I'm available to talk to people. Um, we're, I'm facilitating book groups that people can join and we're talking about doing like a mini conference on Zoom later this year. Oh, awesome. When you do, I want to hear about it. What? When you do that, I want to hear about it. Okay. And I am writing my memoir. I'm almost finished. I've been using the pandemic to do that. And the working title is Coloring Outside the Lines. Oh! I've discovered so much of what I've done in my life has been outside the lines. I mean, I'm very seldom at the top of a bell curve. I usually am on one end or the other. Oh, I love that, Jan. Jan Adrian, thank you so much. Thank you so much again. And um, and I, and definitely let me know about when the book comes out. Let me know about the conference and I'll support you. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you, Susan. You're Appreciate welcome. It. And so I'm just gonna end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.